Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Vinyasa Inverse. How are you on this beautiful day? I hope wherever you are that you find a moment to pause, to take a deep breath, feel that breath in your body nourishing you, and then exhaling to release, knowing that there is beauty just in that, in that simple movement of air through the body, in the simple exchange of oxygen um, in the lungs. I mean, the body is a really miracle. Uh, so yeah, beauty in the body, beauty in all things around you. You could, let me see, what do I have here? That's beautiful. Um, I got my fan. Hello. For those of you who are listening on the podcast and don't see what I'm doing, because <laughs> this is also being, um, posted on YouTube as a video. Uh, I have a folding fan that's blue with some floral prints on there. Um, just pulled it out to say, Hey, it's beautiful. But wherever you are, I hope you can take some time to just notice any small moments of beauty. I mean, maybe there's big ones. Maybe there's a big, beautiful sky right outside your window right now. Um, but know that there is beauty everywhere, no matter where you look. Okay, so today um, I have a few things I'd like to talk about. Um, but first, we will turn to Hafez and see what poem will come forward. And perhaps that may start the conversation topic that I have in mind today. So here we go. Um, we're going to ruffle the pages for The Gift, a book of his um, poetry translated by Daniel Ladinsky. And huh, we'll go to this sane idea. This sane idea. Let your intelligence begin to rule whenever you sit with others using this sane idea. Leave all your cocked guns in a field far from us. One of those damn things might go off. <laughs> wow. All right. That's not. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, this same idea. I got to read it again. Let your intelligence begin to rule whenever you sit with others using this same idea. Leave all your cocked guns in a field far from us. One of those damn things might go off. Ooh. Well, that's not exactly the direction I wanted to go. <laughs> but we're going to go with it because that's what came forward. And we're going to trust the oracle of these um, poems that have come forward. So this same idea, right? So it's about knowing there are choices we can make that will serve our highest good and some that will not. And so on the literal level, it's, um, hey, we're going to get together. We're going to talk about some stuff and it might get heated. So in case it does, let's put our weapons somewhere far so that should we react in a way that is knee jerk or, you know, just aggressive, like just, you know, spur of the moment, we don't have them readily available to cause harm to each other. Um, and so in, in terms of thinking that through as a metaphor, I see it as an invitation to come together at the table this proverbial table that everybody talks about, you know, I need a seat at the table, you know, I'm going to create the table. Um, this is the table where we all come together to have a conversation. And it could be about anything. It could, it could be something about politics. It could be something about spiritual growth. It could be, you know, just a conversation about like which bread is better, um, you know, sourdough or rye. I don't know. Uh, but to think about coming to the table and being open and really, putting down our guard, putting down our weapons, the guns that are loaded, you know, cause, cause I feel like a lot of us are on alert, ready to attack, ready to pounce at a moment's notice. If someone looks at you wrong, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, if somebody, you know, just says something that rubs you the wrong way, even though that wasn't their intention, depending on the mood, depending on the day, depending on the astrology, you might jump down their throat. You might want to harm them in response. Um, and the response is more of a reaction. Now, in the previous episode, I had talked to Ira um, 
So wrong, wrong. And we had talked about response versus react. And what happens is that when we are not grounded, we tend to react. It's just this knee jerk, like, this is my reflex. This is what I was um, conditioned to do in a certain environment, in certain circumstances. Here's my response. And this is the thing that I had learned over, over the years of my living here, of being in existence on this planet. And when we don't pay attention to our knee jerk reactions, then that's when it sometimes, well, usually gets us into trouble. And I don't even mean just the negative ones. I also mean like the positive ones. Like, let's say you, um, you're out and you happen to see somebody who you're attracted to and you're like, oh my God, this is the one, this is the person that I'm supposed to be with forever. Um, and that is the response that you get. It's a reaction and you, and you just act from this rush of feelings and you're like, okay, let's go. Let's, you know, make out or let's go get married and lope or whatever it is, you know? And, um, and then, and then when that high dies down, you look over that person and you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> maybe I was a little too hasty in my decisions. Um, but more often than not, our reactions to things are, um, negative results, we'll say. Um, so Hafez's poem about putting our guns in a field far from us, it's really about an invitation to vulnerability, an invitation to let your guard down and to trust that whatever happens, you can keep yourself safe. You can know and trust that you've got the knowledge, the inner wisdom to hold yourself, to just be steady, to not allow for someone else's projections to affect you. Of course, this is all easier said than done, right? I'm like, oh yeah, it's no problem. Sure. You can just like decide not to be affected by people's actions that are imposed on you by people's projections of, you know, who they think you are, even though it's not true. Like everyone around us has an idea of who we are. And so they project that on us. So for example, like my kids know me as mommy, right? And so they perceive me in this role of mom, nurturer, you know, caregiver, personal chef, taxi driver, you know, those kinds of things. And I can receive that projection, right? Because I mean, it is, it is true. I do these things for them. That's not the only thing that I am, right? And so it takes awareness for me to know and trust that I am, this is just a part that I play. This is a role that I play of mom, but that's not me as my divine essence. That's not me as my ultimate identity. You know, in Kundalini Yoga, there is a mantra that we use all the time, and it's, it's Sat Nam. Sat means truth. Nam means name. And when you say Sat Nam, it just, it's just you declaring that truth is your name. Truth is who you are at your very essence, at your core. Um, when you strip down, strip away all of these labels, you know, like woman, woman of color, person, you know, male, female, whatever the case may be, tall, short, fat, skinny, you know, blue eyes, brown eyes, whatever it is, any of those labels, once you strip that all away, you then realize or come to understand that the essence of you, the life force within you is just that truth. It is love. And I've said this on the, on the show before that love, you are love made manifest. Um, your joy made manifest. And so it's these energies that make up who you are, right? And so Satnam is a, a return. Like it's, it's almost like a little reminder, returning you to your essence, returning you to who you are. And um, it's important for us to tap into that because it's so, we, I mean, we've lost our way. Um, with all of the external conditioning, with all the projections that people have on us, you know, so coming back to like my kids projecting their perception of me as mom, right? I don't necessarily take that to be my only identity, to be like, that's part of the truth of who I am. But if I were to like strip away this body, even, you know, I just have that soul self left. 
And that is truth. And that is the essence of me. And so how can we get back to that while being in this human body, by being in this three-dimensional experience and not lose sight of that? It's hard because we've got a lot of egos walking around, you know, traumatized, unhealed, you know, trauma walking around, <laughs> egos <laughs> bumping into each other and and seeing each other's hurts and and just like bumping into each other and then try to take each other down. It's like, oh, I see you're hurt. Um, yeah, I'm hurt too. So I'm just gonna like take you down because it makes me feel better that someone who's more hurt than me makes my hurt seem less, if that makes any sense. Now, of course, this is not intentional. We don't go out like saying, hey, you know what? You got the same pain as I do. Let me make it more painful for you and, you know, pour some salt in that wound just so I can feel better about myself. No, we don't do that. That's a subconscious thing. We don't do that on purpose. Um, I mean, sometimes there might be people out there who do do that on purpose and they're aware of that. And that's that's on them to figure out, like, are you okay with that? You know, are you okay with with creating more pain for others? Um, but what, what my point is, is that we need to strip away these labels, the, this conditioning that we have, um, these ideas of ourselves that we receive externally, you know? So just going back to the example of mom, like, okay, I can receive that. But what if there was somebody outside of me who was like, oh, you're a loser? Um, is that a label that I accept? Is that a role that I accept? No, because I don't think I'm a loser. They may think that I'm a loser based on what they see of me in connection with how they are feeling about themselves. So when people are projecting, let's say there's there's like some random person sees me somewhere and is thinking, oh, that, that person over there, she's a loser. But that person who's calling me a loser Maybe they're feeling hurt because they've also been called a loser. They, you know, growing up were hurt by somebody else, were called loser by so many people. Um, and so they're projecting their hurt on me by calling me a loser. Like, oh, okay, if I'm a loser, well, then that person is a loser even worse than me. And that makes me feel better. Uh, and so for me, as the object of the loser label, because I have awareness, I know that that's not true because I know who I am and I'm standing in my essence and my truth. I don't, I don't receive that label as true, as something even remotely true. Um, but what I see instead is the hurt that that person is in. And of course, this takes an enormous amount of work. Um, and when I say work, you know, I'm trying to create a new language. And I've been thinking about this for a while and I, I, I still haven't quite found it. I think it needs to be an invented word, but the word work has been used in multiple ways. Work as in like, this is my job, you know, like I go to an office, work nine to five, I go to work. Then there's work as in inner work, as in personal development, as in I'm going to look at what makes me. I'm going to look at the conditionings that have shaped me. And I'm going to figure out which ones are helpful and which ones are not and how to release the ones that are not so that I can create new ones that are helpful. And that we use the word work to describe that. And I don't think that that's accurate. Um, at least in the context of like compared to working in an office or a cubicle. But what other words exist? I'm thinking about this. And so for my listeners, if you have any ideas that, you know, suggestions for this word work, um, I'd love to hear them. And I suspect that the word may not exist in the English language. It might be in another language. You know, maybe it's in Tagalog. Who knows? Maybe it's in Sanskrit. I don't know. But I, I feel like that there there has to be some way of expressing through language what this inner work is. Um, it may be a phrase, you know, I'm not sure, but I sense that there's, there's something else. And if you know me and you know this show, that words matter, language matters. So it's important for us to be accurate in how we express 
what it is that we're doing. And sometimes the things that we're doing are, are, are feel inexpressible because our language is very limited as far as naming human experiences of emotions, particularly like when you try to talk to somebody about a love you have for a specific somebody, you know, because we all love people in very specific individual ways, you know? So for example, I have three kids and I love them, but I love them. My, my love for them, the way it feels is very specific to that kid. It's very interesting. It's like there are certain nuances. It feels like I can feel love, but the quality of that love is different. Um, and so how do you express that in words? I have no idea. I mean, this is, this is the work that I do as a, as a poet and a writer is that I am constantly, continually exploring language and looking at ways to shape it so that it becomes an expression that's very close, not accurate, but very close to the feeling experience of it. Um, so yeah, so if you guys can come up with some words or some phrases that talk about this work of the inner self, of getting to know your inner self, to get back to the inner self, I would welcome any suggestions. So you guys can just email me. It's lesliean at suryagian.com. Um, the email address will be in the show notes. Uh, so let's get back to where I was talking about our identities, right? Um, and the awareness that we can cultivate around our levels, our layers of identity, right? And thinking about where are these labels coming from? Are they coming from myself? Are they coming from things that I've learned when I was a kid? Um, conditioning that I was subject to when I was growing up? I mean, we're not just subject to the the conditioning of our caretakers, whether it was our parents or grandparents, any relatives, any adults that were around us. Of course, they're going to help us, help shape us and our subconscious and, and who we end up being in the world on a 3D level, right? Because our essence, our true selves, our satnam, not changing. It's it's ever everlasting. It doesn't change and it shifts from lifetime to lifetime and it's still the same sort of soul signature, right? Like there's a DNA signature, so there's a soul signature. And I remember I had, I'm trying to remember where it was, but I know, oh, so I think it was one of my, one of my teachers, uh, she talks about the soul song and there's a specific song that each of our souls has. And um, she's, her, her specialty, for lack of a better way of, of talking about it, is, um, is the twin flame phenomenon. And so her teaching is that with twin flames, even though each soul has its own signature song, twin flames actually share a song, uh, which is so fascinating to me. And, um, yeah, I can, we can talk about that in another, another episode because that I'm, I can sense myself going off in this other direction and then it explodes and blooms into a, a whole other thing that I don't get back to the idea of identity, um, which is the main focus for, for today's episode. So let's bookmark that in the head. Um, note to self, we'll talk about twin flames and soul connections and things like that. Um, but talking about identity, you know, we need to think about how our culture and our society is also informing who we are, who we are being in this body, in this in this three-dimensional body. And I, I talk a lot, I mean, I've mentioned it a few times, this 3D body, three-dimensional. It's, it's the access point for the soul's experience to the physical plane, you know, to being a human on this planet access to the five physical senses, but there are, are, there are other existences, we'll say. There's an experience of the five-dimensional, you know, which is, is um, an experience of, of the soul self, of a higher self, a, a higher plane of existence. Um, and we can talk about that too <laughs> in another episode. There's so many things, so many topics. But I, 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 I want to just sort of begin to describe these ideas, these beliefs, these notions so that we can further understand what our identity is, right? So we're here in a human body, physical existence. We've got our five senses to access the experience of being here in this lifetime on planet Earth. Awesome, 
right? And so what do we do with that? Well, we're here to evolve our souls so that we can eventually evolve out of the cycle of reincarnation. At least that's the the teachings of of some of the yoga philosophies. Um, So if we're here to evolve and grow through experience, then one of the things is awareness. You know, um, when I had delved into yoga philosophy and the teachings, what I um, noted was the different, for lack of a better way of expressing it, different maturity levels of souls. So um, thinking about the soul age of my parents versus me, for example, I feel that my mom's soul age is a little bit older than my dad's, for example. <laughs> um, but I feel that my soul age is older than both of theirs and that I'm here to help them evolve so that they can grow in their maturity and their development. Um, but that's a little detour, a little sidebar. I want to come back to identity. I keep coming back to identity. I got so much information I want to share with you that it just all comes flooding out sometimes. Um, but coming back to identity, we're thinking about, okay, we're here. We're on the planet. Um, what's my life purpose? You know, for, what's my dharma? I don't know. I mean, like, I love this. Is this my thing? I love that. Is that my thing? I mean, that's part of the journey. That's part of the discovery is to experiment and play in the various roles that we have and finding that sweet spot, you know, and, and the main thing is to tune into the intuition. The intuition is your inner knowing. The intuition is your connection, sort of the portal right into your soul self. The intuition is that little voice from your soul self saying, Hey, why don't you turn left instead of right? Because there's something there for you. I'm not going to tell you, just go that way. Trust me. You know, Um, if you go right, then you just end up against a lot of resistance, a lot of friction. It feels like an uphill climb. And you're just like, why is this so hard? But if you had gone left and listened to that intuition, it'd be like smooth sailing. It would just be like this coasting along the path. And you're like, ah, this is so great. And then you'd be surprised like, oh, my God, I never would have known that this was down here. How cool. You know, often we, I mean, everybody knows this phrase, right? We don't know what we don't know. We only know the things that we are exposed to. So when we live in a bubble, right, we only know those things within the bubble. We need to go out of the bubble so that we can grow. And I don't even mean this on a spiritual level. I mean this in a, in a um, mental intellectual level. You know, let's say I am a poet. Wait, I am a poet. (laughs) And I wanted to write something else, something different, whatever, but I only know poetry. And I've only read poetry. And that's all I know. And I think that there's no other way to write. There's no other way of expressing oneself through language. It's just poetry. That's it. There's no, you know, nope, sorry. That's all you got. Because I am living in this bubble. But what if intuition was like, why don't you kind of poke through that bubble and go and see what's on the other side of that? And so I may go, you know, if I'm in tune with my intuition, I'll go beyond that and I'll check it out. I'll be like, oh, let's go see what's over here. Even though I don't know what's over there, I just feel called to go in that direction. I go there and then suddenly I experience hybrid texts. I'm like, what? You can combine poetry with journalism, with fiction, what? With play all in one piece? That's crazy. No way. You know, but how would I ever even begin to get that idea if I stayed in my own little bubble, right? And so it's important for us to move beyond what's familiar so that we can grow, so that we can come up with new ideas and to allow our intuition to guide us in that exploration. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about intuition because... A lot of us have lost our connection with intuition. A lot of us have muffled that voice deep down inside uh, because we're told if you want to be quote unquote successful, successful, then you're going to go to school, you graduate high school, you go to college, 
And then after college, then you go get a job. After the job, maybe you'll find somebody special and get married and have kids. Keep working that job. Work some other job. Work, 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 work. Maybe once in a while, go on a vacation with the kids. Keep working. Save for retirement. Save for retirement. You get to a certain number. Maybe it's 65. Maybe it's longer, depending on your financial goals. And then you retire. You stop working altogether. And then you have, supposedly, this little nest egg of money so you can go live your life, right? And then you die. <laughs> That's not a cool path, if you ask me. That's not a cool way of life. But this is what we're, we're programmed, conditioned to think is successful. Um, and so when our intuition tells us something else, you know, when our intuition is like, you know what, maybe you don't go to college. Maybe you go to a trade school because you really like working with your hands. Maybe you go to culinary school because you like food. You know, maybe you, you go to um, electrician trade school because you always were playing with circuits and love to fix the outlets in the house and always got curious about how electricity worked. And so you want to be an electrician. But then everyone's like, oh, that's not, I mean, I guess, but that's like, whatever, you know, that's not the, that's not the path of college job in an office thing. We don't, we don't like that, <laughs> you know, and let me tell you, electricians are amazing. And I wish I was fascinated by that stuff because I think that stuff is so cool. Um, but I know for a lot of folks, for, for a lot of young people to go into the trades sometimes isn't seen as a worthy pursuit, which is totally ridiculous, right? Because everyone needs an electrician. Our whole lives are centered around electricity. Our house runs on electricity. What, if something happens, who are you going to call, right? Ghostbusters? I don't think so. So, um, so just to think about the conditioning of the larger society on us, saying this is how you live your life. And your intuition is like, psst why don't we go live in the woods for a couple of years? Just, you know, just for fun. Go see what's in the woods. People are going to look at you and they're going to be like, you're crazy. Really? No, 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 no. You do that when you're retired. What if you never make it to retirement? What if you like, you know, you're like 60 years old, you're just driving down the street, you get hit by a car, bam, you're gone. Like what kind of life did you live? I know that's morbid, but I'm trying to make a point here. So it's so essential for us to get back to hearing our intuition, to peel back the layers of all that conditioning and to say, hey, intuition, I'm, I'm listening now. Like what, what's my next move? You know, am I on the right path? Is this my life purpose? Is this my dharma? I'm not sure. So let me take a minute. Um, and so this is one of the benefits of meditation. You know, I, I know with meditation, Folks have different ideas of what meditation is, um, and there are different ways to meditate too. But the ultimate goal, for lack of a better word, I don't like the word goal when I talk about these kinds of things. I guess intention, the ultimate intention is to get back to yourself, is to connect within. Um, and if you connect with above, cool, right? Because within and above are, are, in my book, the same thing. But the idea is to push away all of that extra, all of that falseness to really like peel those layers of falseness away, just like peeling like onion, you know, just like, or just like you're cold and, you know, suddenly it's 90 degrees out and you got to peel your layers off. So you're just peeling away all the falseness just to get back to your core, to your essence, to your true self, your Sat Nam. And when you're there, then you can really hone in on what it is you are meant to do, what it is you're meant to be on this planet. Now, sometimes our life purpose, for some people, their life purpose is just to be, just to be, like to hang out and do, you know, whatever they feel like doing. And through that example, others are inspired to follow their life purpose, whether it's to lead people, you know, down a path of enlightenment, or it's to, you know, plant trees for a living. I don't know, you know, but it's important for us to tune into our own soul song, our own signature, 
of that vibration, of that calling. Uh, and what happens though, in the layering and in the conditioning, the layers of conditioning is often we come across something called imposter syndrome. And what that is, and this is something I actually was wanted to explore a little bit today is it's this idea that you're not good enough, that whatever you're doing isn't up to par to other people's perception of what you're doing. So for example, let's say um, you're a teacher and you just graduated from you know a teaching program and it's your first day or first week, first year of teaching. And in your head, you're like, oh my God, I don't know enough. Um, they're going to find out that I, that they hired the wrong person. They're going to find out that I can't teach. They're going to find out that I'm a fraud. And so all of that panic, all that self-doubt turns into what is called the imposter syndrome, where it's like, I'm totally faking it and I'm going to get found out. I'm an imposter and I just don't know what to do with this. And my question is, where does this sense of imposterness come from? You know, because it is from the external. It is, if you listen deep down in your heart, in your soul, in your intuition, that voice is going to say, you got this. You're awesome. Whatever you are doing is right. Whatever you are offering is what these folks need. Whoever these people are, you know, whoever you're talking to, interacting with, everything has divine moments, divine timing, divine purpose. And it's up to us to really trust in our abilities, to trust in who we are and our essence. Um, you know, I suffered from imposter syndrome, like a lot of women do. It, it tends to be women who um, who suffer from this. And there's research done on it. There was an, um, an essay that came out about it a few months ago. And um, it really is, what it comes down to is we worry too much about what other people think. We look to the external for validation, for affirmation, and we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust that what we're offering is a value or if it's enough. And it is, it's totally enough. Um, you know, so for example, uh, I'll just, I'll just make up something um, because I can't, I can't think of anything right now. Uh, for example, let's say I want to run a, a writing workshop, a poetry workshop, and maybe I'll do it. Like I just got out of college, haven't done my MFA yet. And I, but I, I feel called to run this poetry workshop because I have people around me that are like, oh my God, I love poetry. How do you do it? This is so awesome. I wish I could write poetry, you know, getting all those little nudges, these signs that pop up and say, Hey, you should, uh, think about offering a poetry workshop, maybe, you know, so imposter syndrome would kick in and be like, oh, no, 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 I don't have enough practice. I don't know enough about poetry. I just write it, but uh, I don't know. I don't have any teaching experience. Like all the excuses start to come up, right? I'm not good enough. Oh, someone else can do it better than me. Uh, what else? I mean, it's just, it's just a lot. It's a lot. I mean, when it comes down to it, it is self-doubt, but it's, it's looking to the external. That's what self-doubt is. It's like, I doubt and don't trust myself, my inner self, my soul self. So I'm going to look to everybody else outside of me for approval, for affirmation. I want someone to tell me, yes, I'm good enough, you know? And what happens is that we can get that, right? We can, I can call up my friend and be like, hey, friend, I'm feeling kind of impostery right now. Can you just like boost me, please? Like pep talk me, something. And they'll, they'll do it. They'll be like, yeah, you girl, you awesome. You got this, you know, you're on fire. You know, you're a goddess, a queen, blah, 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 blah. Right. And depending on who it is, I get all like jazzed. I'm like, yes, yes. I get all the energy boost. Right. But the difference is I've done all the work. I know deep down in my soul, in myself that I am worthy. Even if I just sit here and do nothing, I'm just worthy because I exist. 
Now talk to me 20 years ago, different story. 20 years ago, someone could give me the pep talk and be like, yes, you're awesome, awesome. And I'll be like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, right? I'll just, I'll just nod, yes them to death, nod my head and be like, all right, I am, I'm believing you. I'm kind of believing you, but it's not sinking in, you know? And that's because we need to work on our insides. We need to do the inner work. Someone can tell you something like, you're awesome. You got this. But if you don't believe it in yourself, at your essence, no matter what they say, it's not going to work. It's not going to stick. It might, it might stick for like five seconds, five minutes. Like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. And then it goes away like that where you're just like, oh, but you know what? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah, it's not sticking. Um, you know, I had a friend reach out and, and she was like, I know all the things. So logically in my brain, you know, she said, she said in her brain, but I'm reading it as ego, right? In her ego, she knows logically that she's good enough, that whatever she's offering is freaking off the charts. So awesome. These people need to work with her, right? But the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome kicks in. And that is the subconscious programming that's taking place. So I don't know if you know this, but 5% of us and how we operate in this world is run by the subconscious. The rest, the 95%, the subconscious runs the show. So think about it. Like when we're aware and we're like moving through the world, we're like, yeah, I got this. I got this. There is a little man behind the curtain pretending to be Oz who's saying, no, you don't. You don't got this. Remember that time this happened? Remember that time that happened? Remember when your parents told you you weren't good enough? All that stuff comes to the surface. But you, but because it's subconscious, we're not fully aware that that's happening. We just get a sensation. We get a feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough. And so what happens is that we self-sabotage. With the imposter syndrome, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can't. I guess, I, I guess I can, uh, maybe, I don't know, you know, and the subconscious is like, this is what we learned. This is how we were trained to respond to these kinds of things. And so we're going to, we're going to operate in that fashion because that's safe. And even though it sucks, safety is our priority. Even though logically we know that this We'll just say this gig is everything we dreamed of, but I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up because it's too scary to really believe or trust that I'm capable of that awesome gig. So I may just be like, nope, you know what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe you should find somebody else. Um, or in conversation with whoever is offering the gig, you might just be at half volume, half mast, where you're just sort of short selling yourself, where you're just like, um, yeah, I do this and I kind of do that. And if you want to hire me, you can maybe, you know, that uncertainty, that sort of wish washing, the wishy washiness, the, the imposter is taking over, you know, the, the 95% of the subconscious is like, Vroom, we're going to show up for you. And so yeah, that's not, that's not, no bueno. We'll just say no bueno. So to address this, it comes back to identity, right? So at the beginning of the episode, I was talking about how our identity in this three-dimensional existence on the human physical plane, a lot of it gets shaped by the external, by other people projecting their ideas of us back on us right? So let's say like my mom, she sees me as her daughter and daughters are supposed to act a certain way, X, Y, Z or whatever it is. And I, in my unawareness, acted accordingly. Said, yeah, daughters are like this. Okay. So I'll do this because I don't know any better. So I'm just, mom says this. So I'm going to act like this because that's, I trust her. She's teaching me and this is what I'm going to learn how to do. 
And I'll continue this pattern through my life until then there is what is called an awakening. And awakening is is a term that's been used a lot lately, right? And people use it very loosely, you know, in ways that may or may not be accurate. But for me, an awakening is just this openness to self-awareness. It's like suddenly, oh, I see what I'm doing. Oh, I see this pattern. Oh, I see how I'm self-sabotaging. Now what? (laughs) Right? And so thinking about, okay, my mom told me this is how a daughter needs to act. I'm going to act this way. And then boom, I've got like some self-awareness. I'm like, wait a minute, why am I acting this way? Oh, because my mom told me that this is how daughters act. Now, is that something that resonates with me? Is that something that feels true to my inner self? Do I feel aligned with that? That behavior or those actions or, you know, whatever it is? No? Okay, I don't. All right. All right. That's good. That's good. And then, and then what do I do with that? Uh, what, what, what do I do with that? And so this is part of the work, quote unquote, the work, the journey. This is part of the growth. You know, you've got the awareness. Now what? Now what do you do with that awareness? So taking the example of like, here's the role of daughter and here are the things that you need to do X, Y, and Z is like, you know, take care of your parents and, you know, be kind to your parents. Don't talk back to your parents, you know, these kinds of things. And that, not that I do that. I don't talk back to my parents, (laughs) but, um, but I challenge them. But to think about, all right, what's not resonating with me? Well, maybe one is like daughters don't get tattoos. Oh, but look, see, I got a few. (laughs) And because those tattoos resonate with me and who I am being and who I am at my essence, you know, and I'll tell the story of my tattoos in another episode. I better write these down, right? Um, But that's stepping out of the role of daughter that was prescribed to me by, by, by mom. This is all, you know, sort of generally speaking. I don't know if these are actual things. Maybe they are. Um, but with the self-awareness, it's like I, I say, oh, okay, daughters don't get tattoos, but I want to get one because I feel called to get one because it then links me to something that resonates with my true self. So do I choose the connection to my true self or do I choose to be in a role that was prescribed to me by somebody else, an external force? I'm going to choose the tattoo because it resonates with my internal self, my inner knowing and who I am on the inside, my soul self. And so um, as I do that, as I continue to step more into who I am by following these intuitive signs, guidance, intuitive nudges, you know, I'm, I'm letting the, the external definitions fall away. Um, And so I feel more myself and it's amazing. And guess what? Imposter syndrome is no more Uh, because I trust myself because I I fully step into who I am and have so much unconditional self-love that it doesn't matter what other people think. If people think that I'm not good enough or I'm not up to par with whatever expectation they have set for me in a specific role, I don't care. You know, fine. That's their problem. I'm doing me the best of my ability. Um, If you don't like it, too bad. Now, if you have information to share with me that might help me evolve, that might help me grow, that might help me develop whatever I'm offering, I'm all for it. Great. Bring it on. I love it. But if you're like, well, she's a fraud. She's a fake. She don't even know what she's doing. That one, that's not helpful for me. Right. So two, I'm not going to listen to you because what I see is you projecting your shortcomings, your pain, your own imposter syndrome on me has nothing to do with me, right? I got my own path. So if you want to call me out and say, Hey, I'm an imposter or whatever it is, that's cool. But I'm not going to accept that label because I know it's not true. And that's how you solve it. That's how you, (laughs) I I don't mean to be flippant about it, right? Um, But I do want to just offer that imposter syndrome is giving your power away. It really is. And how do you, how do you address that? It's by looking at 
where your fears lie, the source of those fears, are they external expectations put on you that you want to rise to the occasion? You know, like there's, so there's a, there's a few different questions happening all at once. Um, but when you can work on those, when you can locate the questions and really honestly answer them, create awareness around them and ask yourself, is this true? And truly step into that. Is this true? Is it not? You know, and to believe it with your whole self, not just the brain, because sometimes intellectually, like I said before, we could be like, oh, all our friends think we're awesome. How come I don't feel awesome from the inside out? That's the key. The key is to work on the inside so that on the outside, when you, when you radiate that inner light out, it doesn't matter if people think that you're an imposter. Who cares? I don't. But I will say, for those who are listening, oh, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> it's not as easy as I'm making it out to be. Simple, but not easy. Those are two different things. People tend to conflate the two. Simple equals easy, but no, no, no. There's simple. We've got a direct, you know, sort of path, for lack of a better way of saying it. But that path isn't a breeze. It requires a lot on our part. And um, I invite you to take some time. If you are suffering from an identity crisis or imposter syndrome or uncertainty about who you are, your life's calling, your life's purpose, your dharma, to take some time to examine these questions about who you are, who you're being, and where these ideas of who you are, where they come from. You know, where does this belief about who you are come from? Does it come from inside? Does it come from within you, from your innermost self? Or does it come from somebody else? Does it come from your parents, your friends, your partner, your kids, whoever, your friends, you know, coworkers? Really step back and examine that. And then see what happens. See what you can unravel. See what you can unfold. And perhaps you can grow into your power. You already have that power. It's just a matter of finding it again, you know, because we got all these little things, well, actually big things, these external signals, messages, noise coming at us that we're like, whoa, wait, oh, hold on, you know, like, give me some space, give me some peace. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's how to do it. Um, I don't know if that's how to do it, but that's a, that's a starting point. And so, um, I do want to offer for those folks who are wondering, like, where do I start? How do I begin beyond what you said just now? I want to let you know that I am offering what I call VIP days, um, that help you blast out imposter syndrome. So if you are interested in that, it's a full day with me, and we're going to move through all the various stages of identifying and releasing, but we're going to do it with some magic, and I'm very excited about this part. Um, so we're going to go into, you know, some magic usage, and I don't mean magic as in like abracadabra. I mean like in, in terms of connecting with source, with divine things, you know, with meditation, with tarot cards, with all kinds of stuff. Um, but if you want to hear about it, you can just go to my website. I got all the details there and um, reach out and we'll talk. All right. So until next time, my friends, I have a, ooh, a poem to close out, but actually it's just another Hafez poem. I mean, not just another. I mean, Hafez is amazing. So we're just going to go with Hafez again. All right. And this is called Dropping Keys. Dropping Keys. The small man builds cages for everyone he knows, while the sage, who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful, rowdy prisoners. Oh, yes. oh my God, you guys. I got to read that again. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit about why I'm so excited about this poem. Dropping Keys. 
The small man builds cages for everyone he knows, while the sage, who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful, rowdy prisoners. And so I'm just going to break it down real quick. The prisoners, your soul self. The small man, your ego. The sage, your highest self. And so how appropriate that this poem comes through where I'm talking about imposter syndrome, because the small man is the one who's keeping you in that doubt of, I'm an imposter, people are going to find me out. I'm a fraud, whatever it is. Um, but the sage, your highest self, even, you know, God, the divine, the universe, whatever you relate to when it comes to a higher power, it's like, no, 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 you are more than that. You're more than this imposter business. So here's the key to let loose your highest self, to let loose who you truly are. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. So good. All right, my friends. So I hope you have a beautiful week and next week, who knows, maybe we'll talk about some of those things that I mentioned earlier, which I have now forgotten, but I've written down. Um, and we'll see what happens. All right, my friends, until next time, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Namaste. Healing is so necessary for women writers of color. Whether we know it or not, our traumas hold us back from expressing and becoming our truest selves. How can we be more present to this? How can we create new ways of understanding our hurts so that we can heal them and step into our life's purpose with radiance? Follow me on Instagram for messages of healing and support as you walk this journey that brings you home to yourself. Find me at this handle, at Surya Gyan Yogi, S-U-R-Y-A-G-I-A-N-Y-O-G-I. Or visit my website to learn more at suryagian.com. Your best healed life starts now.